0: Thank you for tuning in to the Far Better Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to please God now so our eternity is far better. Here is your host, Michael Clark.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and today we're doing something that we had done at one time before, but all of the audio was lost, and so we're trying to see what it's like to have guests on the Far Better Podcast, and so today I have with me Caleb Rutherford and Jonathan Burns. Caleb, we'll start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, like Michael said, <clears throat> um, my name is Caleb Rutherford. I am currently the associate minister at the East Hill Church of Christ here in Pulaski, Tennessee. Um, I, uh, Michael and I have been... Uh, well, obviously, we've known each other for for some years now, uh, just through Memphis Foundation, yeah. PTP, all those kinds of different events. Um, but appreciate Michael and the work that he's doing. I'm grateful uh, that we get to work together in this capacity uh, with the uh, with the network and uh, for all the things that we've got going on. Super excited the, that we're already in season two. Um, a lot of good things going, a lot of good things coming as well. Uh, but just uh, just glad to have the opportunity to be on the podcast with you.
1: Yeah, Joe Nathan.
2: What's going on, man? What's up, man?
3: (laughs) I'm Jonathan Burns. I'm currently the minister for the East Hill Church of Christ. I help out with the Scattered Abroad in the uh, video department, so we do all the joint podcast recordings, and we're getting ready to do that again at the end of the year and looking forward to it.
1: Now, just so there's some transparency here, this is episode 14 of season two, and so when this airs, uh, tell them what you'll be doing.
3: I will be transitioning at the end of the 2021 in October to Sparta, Tennessee to be working with the Finley Church of Christ, uh, getting a chance to move back closer to my family.
1: Yeah, that's always a wonderful blessing to be close to home. It's 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 something that people take for granted sometimes, and when they don't have that opportunity and they're far from home, it's, it's difficult. Now, you've never been too far no, from home, no. but to be back home will be a good blessing for you, and I know you're going to continue to do good work. We are talking about suffering this season. We really talked about it the last two seasons. I, I dealt with my story with Crohn's disease in my first season. And now we're ready to talk about episode 14, which is the do's and don'ts of suffering. Now, this material is not original with me. And I'll be honest with you, when I, when I did this, I've got a suffering seminar that I've done. And I found this article and somehow, some way, did not remember to save the website link. And so if you want a copy, I'll just uh, tell you that I'll I'll put what it is in the show notes, but you can email me at the network at gmail.com. I'll be glad to get you a copy of this article, but I could not find it to be able to link it in the show notes, but this is not original material with me. And what we're going to do is there's three three sections of this article. There's the do's, the don'ts, and the avoid using cliches. So I'm going to talk with the first section here, and I'm going to ask these guys to just kind of talk about the potential problems if we don't do what we're supposed to do and if we do what we're not supposed to do. So when someone is dealing with suffering, the first thing that this article says by Stephen Ministry is to show genuine concern and care. Now, I know for some people that's difficult. You know, not everybody is, is sympathetic and empathetic like they're supposed to be. Uh, sympathy is something where you can sympathize with somebody because you know they're dealing with a hard thing. Empathy is where you've experienced that before and you know what they're feeling. I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I pray that I never do. Uh, my, my wife is, is pregnant. And at the time that this is going to air, we've already announced that to the world. Uh, you know that at the time that I'm recording this, she's pregnant. And I pray to God that I never have to experience the hurt that some parents have had to experience where they've lost their children. But I can sympathize over the loss of a loved one. But I can't empathize with those parents. It's not not happened to me. And if I were to try to be fake instead of genuine in my concern and care, I'm going to lose a lot of people. Jonathan, you've been in preaching for quite a long time. Why don't you talk just a little bit about some of these things when it's talking about showing that genuine love and and, and care and concern?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting, the loss of a child. My my wife and I have gone through that. Um, When we were at our first work out of Memphis, Kelly was pregnant, and we announced to the congregation, hey, you know, she's pregnant. We announced it to the world. All her family knew. Within five days, we lost the child. Mm -hmm. And the very next Sunday. I, I hand a note to one of my elders and say, you've got to read this. So I preach the sermon and go walk to the back, and he gets up and reads that. There is a difference between people who are real and people that are fake. Yeah. And I have found the people that are real are those that have experienced this, and the people that are fake, they don't intend to be, but they, they try to empathize, but they just they don't know how. Right. I think that's the biggest problem. Um, just like here at East Hill, we've had several members lose their children when they're in their 70s and 80s, and they never expected to be that way. So it, it, it's, it, it's a difficult thing, and it, and it happens more than you think. And yeah. that's the thing I think we miss. This happens a lot, and there are a lot of people that have, have been through this.
1: Yeah, and I know, again, it's tough. If you've never done it before, you can't fake it till you make it with something no. like this. No. You know, You can't pretend to care about somebody when you don't. And I know it's difficult because Galatians 6 tells us to bear one another's burdens. But I think some people have taken that to the point of forcibly bear their burdens, yeah. even if they don't want you to bear them for them. There are some things that I can't do for you and you can't do for me. Same with the, the listeners. There's some things that you can't do for us and we can't do for you. But the genuine concern and care sometimes is being more like Job's friends at the beginning where mm-hmm. they were just silent. Yeah, They just sat there and let Job cry and l- lament over what was going on, the biggest problem happened when they opened their mouths. Yeah. And so maybe that's the idea that we need to be thinking about is that showing genuine cons- concern and care in doing that way. Caleb, you got anything you yeah, want to
2: add? I think a lot of people think they have to say something. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest mistakes you could ever make because <clears throat> when you feel like you have to say something and you don't have anything to say, you end up saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and so many times, like we've talked about, and we've heard this in school and you read it in books, and one of the greatest ways to comfort someone is to simply just be with them. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything, you know. And a lot of times I've seen my dad do that: I'll go visit somebody yeah. who's lost a loved one, and not not a word is said. Yeah, it's just being there, and 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 you know, feeling that emotion and praying with them or, or doing something like that. But a lot of times, when you just people just think that they have. And I don't think all people do this. I think a lot of people think that they just, they know exactly what they need to say. And so they say it and then they end up making the situation worse, you know? And so it's just a lot of times it's better just just be quiet. Don't say anything.
1: Yeah. And I, I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we'll talk about here in just a moment, but uh, one of the ones that I, I can't stand and I've never experienced is you could have more children. <laughs> okay, but I'm I don't have that one, right. you know, I, the one that we were falling in love with and and we're trying to take care of is gone, and I can't, you know, it's not like the Bible says when you lose a child, hey, just look to the other children that you have or will have, and that'll that'll be okay. There's a serious pain that is involved with that that really never goes away. Yeah, when you lose somebody that you love, yeah. I think a lot of it's ignorance. Yeah, no, a lot. Of, I'm
2: sure that those people don't come in with a mindset of I'm going to ruin this person's day, but. Just because it's ignorant doesn't mean yeah. it hurts, you know, right. and and that you need to be careful with your words.
3: We we've actually been told that, and as soon as the person said it, they realized, yeah, oh no, I've messed up, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, we weren't upset at them, right? You know, but that kind
1: of goes back to what Caleb said, though. It's like I got to say something. Yeah. Well, well, at least take solace in the fact that you're still capable of having children, exactly. But yeah. I, that's not where we're at right now, right? You know, yeah. and so that's that's the number one thing that they said was the of of all else. Stephen Ministry says you got to show genuine concern and care. It also says to be available. Uh, And it it lists five things be available to listen, to run errands, to drive, to help with the family or children that are available, and really whatever seems needed at the time. And for me, and then I'll let you guys talk about whatever you want to cover on that. Some people don't realize just how simple it is when someone's dealing with something. And I'll use a very arbitrary illustration to, to illustrate this point. We had a sister in the congregation that was in her. 80s, And she called me one day and she said, Michael, I cannot get my computer to work. And you've got Apple, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, this thing's been bothering me for a week and I, I can't get anything done. So I go to her house and I walk in and I said, what's the problem? She says, my FaceTime won't turn off. And I said, okay. And she says, I can't get the menu to come up. I can't do anything. I said, have you hit the escape key? She says, yes, but nothing's happened. So I walk over. And those of you that have Apple know if you hit that green button on your device, it goes into full screen mode Mm -hmm. and full screen mode takes away the top and bottom bar that usually shows you where to go to quit the program or how to exit out of the program unless you move the mouse in just the right way. It took me two seconds to fix her computer, but she thought that I had just gone to war for her. You know, she was so happy. And in that moment, you know, it wasn't major suffering that she was dealing with, but it was something that was a, a bother. You know, she had a week that she couldn't use that computer and it was difficult. It took me two seconds to go do it. And I could have said, Someone else can go do that. Why do I have to go do that? Or I could have done what she needed in that moment. And I think when people are dealing with suffering, sometimes you do need to to be driven somewhere. You do need someone to just say, Hey, you talk, I'll listen. I'll even mute my microphone so that if I'm trying to say something back, you won't hear me and you just talk, you do whatever you got to do. And the idea of driving for someone or running errands, getting groceries is, is a very important thing. Do y'all have anything on that you want to kind of add or contribute? I would say, I think there's
2: a lot of people think that it's so small. You know, what's the big deal? It's right. not going to hurt if somebody does that or doesn't. But like you said, you don't know the impact yeah. that, one small gesture could make to someone's day or to someone's life, you know, even sometimes just a phone call, um, or sending a card or something like that to somebody who's maybe shut in or, or, or who's dealing with some kind of something, something like that is so, it makes such a big impact on people's lives that you don't realize right. and understand and that you probably never will, um, right. understand until you have to go through something like that.
1: Right. Jonathan, you got anything you want to add?
3: You, you know, it's all about being there. That's the idea of being available. And um, we had a family here, um, a grandmother was passing away, and she was at death's door. All the family was there. I, of course, went to see them. I went to see them multiple times every day. Um, and I ended up one night, about 10 o'clock at night, playing ball with one of the grandkids because they just needed him away from the area. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's weird things that you don't expect. So we yeah. sat there till midnight and, and threw a ball in the hall, and, and I get more. They say that to me over and over, and that was almost four years ago. Yeah, That's what they remember. They still remember. That's what they like that. remember. Yeah. And, it it can be so simple. Yeah, so
1: simple. Throw a ball, go to a movie, go, go buy dinner somewhere. Go. Yeah, you know, I remember, you know, there's there's times where I've had to do something similar to that, you know, in, in local ministry. And it's it honestly is as simple as saying, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? Because where we live, the, the biggest places to eat that are fast and efficient, well, I say efficient with air quotes <laughs> around it, but the places to eat that are fast is McDonald's. And so there have been times where I've told somebody in the, in the congregation or said to someone that I knew was struggling with something, hey, you want to go grab lunch? Want to go grab breakfast somewhere? And that means so much more to them. And for me, it's an hour of my time. You know, it's I'm going to sit down with this person. I have to eat, and I can, I can provide for them. And usually, of course, you know, if you do something like that, you try to be helpful if you can. You pay for the meal or something of that nature. But, you know, I, I remember, honestly, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they listen to the podcast, but I, I won't call them by name. But we had a situation my very first year at Somerville where one of the younger families in the congregation, their, their 26-year-old son died in a Navy training accident. And they asked me to perform the funeral, and I said that I would, and I, ask, I usually ask when I'm doing a funeral to, to eat dinner with the family, and I usually try to take them somewhere that's not home, get them out. So we can talk about what they want to talk about. And so I had already talked to the elders and said, look, I'm, I'm going to pay for their dinner, and I'll, I'll give the receipt to Donna. And they said, okay, cool. And so we go to dinner. I'm talking with these people, and they picked up the check. <laughs> and I said, hold on a minute now. We, we're going to cover that. The congregation wants to cover that. And they said no. And they were just very forceful about it. And they said, what you did tonight means more than if you'd bought our dinner. Yep. And we just sat for like two hours and talked about their son. We really didn't plan anything for the funeral much, and yet for them that meant the world. And for me, it, it wasn't anything extravagant and spectacular, mm. but it was being there for the congregation, <clears throat> being there for that family in that moment of their struggle and their need. And they have, they have still, much like you talk about, Jonathan, told me how much that that moment meant for them in the time that they were in their grief. And honestly, the third and fourth things that are mentioned here are to allow people to talk about the pain that they face as often as they need it and to even put on your calendar the date of the event that happened and let the individual know that you're thinking of them. And I, I try to do this. I don't always do a good job with it, but I try to text this particular family as well as write cards for some of our older members who have lost loved ones on not just the day that they passed away, but I try to remember their anniversary, their birthday. And I try to send something to them then because I know those days are painful. And I may not get to send a car, but I I need to be able to go over to them and say, I'm thinking about you today. You know, I I know you're struggling with something. Have you all ever done something similar to that or trying to, you know, maybe someone's come to you and said, hey, it's the anniversary of my loved one's death. How, how would you handle that? Any practical ideas that you could give people?
3: You know, you... That idea of genuine we started with, Mm -hmm. that's it. The best thing you can do to help someone in their grief is get to know them before they grieve. Yeah. And it's so hard to, you know, like when you start a new work or or, or things of that nature, to just jump in and be be there for them because you really don't know the ins and outs of their lives. So, I suggest the most practical thing you do is get to know people in the in in the general mm-hmm. and then when it comes to this time you can just swing by and see them you can you can go get them you can go pick them up for dinner you you, you know what they like right. and you can just cater that right into the thought
1: yeah, I think that's a a very good point, especially for any any new preachers that go yeah. into an area you know you you have a take on the world mentality i'm gonna i'm gonna help this congregation mm-hmm. in any way I see fit yeah. and any way they need it but some things you just can't do, and it, it used to bother certain preachers. I, I would hear them talk about, you know, if they, left a, if they went to a work and the former preacher was called to do funerals. And I didn't really experience much of that until I went to Somerville, and they had had a minister that they knew for years that he was called to do some of the, uh, some of the stuff like that. And there was another minister even that people knew that he actually just recently passed away at the time that we're recording this. He was called even. To, to go to the hospital and visit with some of these people. And so it, it's a weird dynamic when you're the brand new preacher, you're yeah. trying to start out. But it's also looking at what what you just said, Jonathan, is here's a man that showed genuine love and yeah. care for the family to the point that even though he's not working at the congregation, he's not associated with the congregation anymore in any type of official capacity, he's still being called. Yeah. And really that should be our goal, not just as preachers, but as Christians. If we ever left a, a congregation and had to move to another area, I pray that people will want to call me yeah. and let me know when something happens yeah. and you know, ask me to be there for them if I can. That, that would show that I did my part of showing that genuine care and concern.
3: You know, I'd add this. This is best done by the members. Yeah. I mean, I, things here happen at East Hill that I'll find out days later that people just did because they knew them, that they were mm-hmm. there. Not that they didn't think I could. But they saw a need, they jumped to it, they took care of it, and then then it was done. It was a good thing um but I think the more you grow in ministry, the more you'll find that when the membership is working together, everything's working as it should. These things just happen. You don't yeah. have to ask somebody, you don't have to set, set a Barnabas list. you don't have it's just it's just happening, it's clicking. everybody knows everybody's in sync, everybody's working, and that, right. and that makes a big difference
1: right. well, when we move on now to the second section, the don'ts that we need to be considering is. Number one, of course, and I, I don't think this is a huge problem with our listeners, but maybe they know of someone that's pressured them for this. We definitely don't want to encourage the use of, of alcohol, and, and really we say drugs or alcohol, but alcohol is a drug. I don't, I don't yeah. care what people say about it. It is a drug. It's, it's not something that we call a drug anymore, but the, the people who are there saying, hey, you know, you're suffering. You just need to drown your sorrows in liquor. You just need to drown your sorrows in drugs or, or whatever is just going to cause that person more suffering. And you see that throughout the scriptures, not necessarily by way of drugs and alcohol, but when people put their focus and their all into worldly things instead of leaning upon God, they never really had their problem solved. And when they would do what they needed to do and trust in the Lord, they were able to be sustained. I think of Elijah. Elijah was so concerned about what Jezebel wanted to do to him that he told God, he said, you just kill me. And God says, hey, trust in me. I've got this. And God didn't tell Elijah, you know what you really need to do? You need to go get drunk. <laughs> and once you're done getting drunk, you'll know exactly what you need to do. God said, you know what you really need right now in your time of grief and suffering? You need to sleep, you need to eat and drink, and then you need to sleep. And that's, I think, some of the best advice that we can give. I've, I've told people, especially when their loved one's in the hospital for an extended stay, I say to them over and over again, go home and sleep. Because, number one, you're not going to be well-rested. At the hospital if you stay there all night. Number two, you're not going to make the clearest of decisions because you're not thinking clearly. And number three, you need to be healthy. We don't need you going into the hospital too. And that's exactly what God told Elijah was, hey, trust in me, I've got this. Now, the second one though is one that I think we really can touch on to make sure people understand this because it goes back to that being genuine. Don't ask people how they're feeling if we're not willing to listen. And I've I've got ADHD. My eyes, I I look all over the place sometimes when I talk to people, and sometimes I think people believe I'm not paying attention to them because I'm not an eye contact person very much. But I really have had moments in my life where I've said something to someone and I've caught myself just not paying attention. (laughs) And sometimes it's fine. You know, it's, hey, how's everything going? And you kind of like in the movies or TV shows that their audio fades out a little bit and you just start to doze and look all over the place. But when you're at a funeral home and someone's lost their loved one or you're dealing with a member who's just found out that they've got a a disease of some sort or perhaps they've become paralyzed and their whole world has changed, that's not the time to tune out what they're talking about. You know, I, I should not ask somebody, how are you doing? And then when they talk to me and tell me how they're doing, say, "I'm sorry, but could you repeat that? Uh, I really wouldn't wouldn't mind if you kind of gave me a refresher course on what you just said." Right. And I don't see Jesus having done anything of that nature. You know, even when a woman was brought before him in the midst of adultery, Jesus looked at what had happened to her, which was number one, she hadn't committed anything that was good. She'd committed sin, but Jesus didn't say hey, uh, who are your accusers? And then when she says, no one, oh, my Lord, he goes, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> I dozed out for a second there. Jesus was concerned with what was happening to her, even though she was in sin, because what had happened was wrong. Jesus told that woman, you go. I'm not convicting you of sin. If you don't have any accusers, go and sin no more. Imagine if Jesus had been absent-minded when that situation took place or when Nicodemus asks him, really, does a man have to be born again? Mm-hmm. How is he going to enter into his mother's womb? I'm sorry, I dozed out. What were you saying? Or when someone cried out to Jesus that they were sick and needed him, Jesus was even to the point where when someone touched the hem of his garment, he perceived that somebody had touched him and knew, hey, I felt some virtue coming out of me. Uh, Who touched me? And the disciples are so shocked by all of that. But Jesus was, of course, as deity on earth, able to perceive things that man can't, but I do think there's a lesson there in our spiritual perception being so heightened that we are attuned to the people's needs. And that won't happen if we're not going to pay attention when they are trying to tell us what's going on in their life. You'll have anything on that you want to kind of contribute or add? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll say that. I think,
2: yeah, you have to. You, ha- you have to listen. Um, and you have to be, you have to be willing to, to have that conversation and something like that. It takes, I mean, it takes effort, it, take, yeah. it takes hard work on your part. Um, but in the long run, like we've talked about, even just small things like that, just, Hey, you sat there and you listened and you interacted with me during this conversation. That meant so much during my time of you know, whatever. Right. Um, so again, it's those small things like even just listening to somebody talk and doing having some kind of interaction. They could make their day and they will remember it, you know, for years. Right.
3: Okay. So there's a reason I shook my head no. Did you notice the panic when I sat here and said no? <laughs> okay. No. That happens even in grief. Because yeah. people are expecting you to to be there to at least listen. And if not, they're panicked. Right. They just went through some trauma and then all of a sudden you've created something that they never thought you would do because you were just bored.
1: Right. The third thing that's listed on the don't category is don't say you know how they feel mm. if you've not experienced the same suffering. I used to say something like I know how you feel just because it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a, uh, one of those little non-playable character responses that you have in a video game where it's like you say something to them, and it doesn't matter what you ask them. They're going to be programmed to say what they've been programmed to say, and I started to force myself to say I can't imagine what you must be going through, yeah. because I can't. I mean, I can, I can think about right now, for example, and, and honey, if you're listening, just tune out for a second. I could think about losing my wife right now. I, I could think about her passing away and being a widow, you know, a man that is no longer married and has to go through life with a toddler and thinking about how difficult that would be. But all that really does is make me think, oh, I hope that never happens. I can't say after thinking about it for even an hour or more if I thought about it every day I can't say to somebody who's experienced hey I know what's going on. You know the other day I was thinking about what if that happened to me and I know what you're feeling. You don't. Right. It's not the same. <clears throat> and it's it's something that is so important because <clears throat> especially when we talk about massive suffering. And I you know there we talk about trauma. And we talk about blunt force trauma. You know, there's something different between trauma and having a blunt force trauma. It's a massive injury that you have to deal with. Some suffering is minor. And it's not as big, you know, someone has a flat tire. That is some suffering that's happened to them. And you can say if you've never had one, you know, I know how that feels to have your car break down on you, basically. Uh, That's understandable. But when someone comes up and says, my dad died in a car accident and your father's still living, and you've never had somebody die in a car accident that you loved, it's not the time to say, I know what you're feeling. I know how you feel. Now, you can maybe say, I know how you feel to lose a loved one. I know that that is a hard thing to do. I'll be praying for you. But we really can't say we know how you're feeling if we haven't experienced the same suffering. You guys have anything on that you want to add?
2: I was going to say, even even this, too, though, like, let's just go back to the example of a parent losing a child. Right. Let's just say you have a set of parents who lost a child you have another set of parents who lost a child yes they have shared the same grief but in in some sense it's also different they also don't know what they're feeling because everybody processes it differently every situation is different every single situation is different and so even to the point of I think it's almost better for everyone to say to, to be of the mindset of I really don't know what you're what you're feeling yes i've gone through the same scenario through the same situation but my grief is different than yours the way i handle is different than you do the situation the circumstances in which it happened were probably different from what happened with my situation you know so even in situations like that where the same thing has happened still i think it's tough to say i know exactly what you're going through because i think not everybody does because everybody processes it differently Yeah. yeah
3: um we have some members here um their son lives in Knoxville. He goes to Carnes. He's a deacon at Carnes. And his father-in-law has Parkinson's. My dad has Parkinson's, and we're kind of expect, experiencing some things there with that. And they, uh, his, his father-in-law just passed away. And a few few months before he passed away, of course, we had announced we're leaving, and they knew about my father's Parkinson's and all that. And uh, he had found out, Brad and Knoxville found out, and, and said, we want to get our number to them so they can – they can reach out to us because we've been going through some of that, and then so so that was comforting to us because here's somebody that I know's dealing with it now. Yeah. The man has now passed. They went through all the stages of it. There's no more left, mm-hmm. and they said, "Here's our number." They didn't want to give us advice. Said, if you need something, call. I thought that was really cool because yeah. now now I have something of which someone has experienced, and and that's that's almost like pre grief, you know? Right? They're there. They've been through it. And it would be much different to me if 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 he had said, "Hey man, here's my number. If you need anything, I don't know what you're going through, but here you go." Yeah, it means so much more to us because they literally have walked the steps we're getting ready to walk. Right, and that that's that's really different. The the, the idea of attachment to that grief is there.
1: Yeah, and the the idea. I mean, not everybody in the world is going to get Parkinson's. No, no. And no. even though that it's a disease that has affected a lot of families and a lot of people, yeah. you know, for me, when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, uh, my," boyfriend was just diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Can you tell me about it? Yeah. I perk up, not because I'm excited that somebody else got Crohn's, but it's, hey, here's somebody else that's going through this very odd specific disease that Mm -hmm. I also have. And I can now talk to this person. And when I'm talking to them, it's not theory. It's not, this is, this is what I think about the situation. It's here's what happened to me and I hope it doesn't happen to you. And I hope the good things that have happened to me can happen to you tenfold and that's the same mindset of, like you said, though, with something as serious as a disease that has taken a loved one to know that it's like a pre-grief. Hey, yeah. you need me? We've been through this. Here's, here's how we will handle it. And we'll tell you exactly what you need to know is so critical. Yeah. The final thing on the don't is don't point out. And really, I'll just use this with the cliches because this is what it seems like. It seems it's a cliche. Don't point out, hey, you have so much to be grateful for. Because in that moment, they they don't care. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter how much they have to be grateful for. And again, going back to the loss of a loved one, you know, I heard people say when I, I lost some grandparents as a young child, "Well, you still have other grandparents." Okay, and I don't have the others. And and <laughs> the one that I lost back in twenty sixteen, my my dad's mother, has affected us so badly because we were so close, and she didn't get to experience a lot of the things that. I was going through as a boy, becoming a man and graduating school and going to my first local work and having a child and now the expectant birth of our second child and all of these things happening, she doesn't get to be there. And so as much as I love my other grandparents that I still have, I don't have that one. And, you know, it's a, it's a mindset of, I am grateful that I have my other grandparents, but I want her too. And there, there's some selfishness involved with suffering usually. It's it's an idea of, I don't want this to happen to me. I would rather this be my story. But that's a cliche that so many people use. Is, well, you sh- you've you got so much to be grateful for. Or a second one, which is, you'll get over it. Okay, uh, no, you really won't. I mean, we could talk about any grief that we've all gone through. Am I over it? No. Am I calloused more to it? I think that's a better way to put it in the idea of, that wound has healed to an extent, but it's a callous that when I look at it, I still know, hey, I experienced some intense grief. And some people say, get back on the horse. This isn't the end of the world. Or it was God's will, or it was a blessing. Be brave. Don't cry. You know, I don't remember who sung it. Maybe one of you two knows it, but the old country song, I don't know why they say grown men don't cry. You know, and it's this country song detailing about the fact that men can be emotional too, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there have been moments where I have cried. I've cried. uh, I'll tell you guys this. And those of you that are at Somerville, you'll remember when this happened probably. But I preached on children earlier this year. And I talked about at the end of the lesson how one day you won't live with your parents anymore. And I don't know why I did this to myself, but I started talking about how much I missed being a child and, and being at home with mom and dad. And on the live stream, You can start to hear my voice shake, and I start to look up instead of looking out at the auditorium and the people because I'm about to cry, because I'm emotional about something that I don't have anymore, and there's nothing wrong when you're going through suffering or grief at crying, nothing wrong with doing anything of that nature, and so these have been three real sections to really think about. Do you guys have any closing remarks for this episode?
3: Don't be afraid to cry. Listen, I'm a grown man. I've got kids, and, and even to this day, you know, I get it. Grief is grief, and you're not going to get over it by suppressing it. It's, it's just going to get worse. It'll eat you alive. It'll eat you apart.
2: Yeah. I appreciate a Tim McGraw song, by the way. I think so. Okay, yeah. um, But I will say this, you know, grief is a, I mean, it's a natural emotion. Yeah. You know, it's something that has been, we've been created with it. Um, obviously, you've seen Jesus cry. He had grief. I mean, the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. And on other occasions, you see the emotion come through. Um, and so certainly it's not anything to be ashamed of or anything bad. Um, but and as people on the other side of it, we need, to, we need to continually learn and grow in how we deal with other people who are dealing with that. Um, because so many times we can be detrimental to somebody's outlook on life and even in their faith if we end up saying the wrong thing. So that's something we need to continue to growing in.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate both of you guys being on the podcast and the, the plan is to have them on for the next several episodes, maybe even to the end of the season. And so we're grateful to Caleb and Jonathan for the work that they do both with scattered abroad and in the kingdom. Want to give you some reminders as we quickly close out the program today to leave us a rating and a review to check out all of our other shows on the scattered abroad network. We have a master feed. If you'd like to just get all your shows in one place, that's fine. Maybe as things go in life, you have a couple of shows on the network that you just kind of prefer more than some of the others. You can subscribe to all of our individual shows or just the Master Feed. It really doesn't matter either way. But if you don't mind, subscribe to both because it doesn't hurt our downloads. And that would help us get more to the top of the search engines that are out there with podcasts and get us to people that may not know about the Bible that we can potentially help. The the purpose of this podcast is from Philippians 123. I lost my breath a little there. and that's where Paul is talking about being with the Lord, which is far better. And so our goal in life and your goal in life, Lord willing, is to please God now, so that our eternity can be far better.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.